What is up, you sexy thing? Welcome to the sexiest podcast on the internet. My name is Sam Reardon, and I'm sitting here today with my co-hosts, Mickey Dubry and Alexa Kushner. If I were you, I would be sitting on the edge of my freaking seat because you are all listening to a new spicy podcast called Cow Polyamorous. Together, we will explore the bold hilarity, ego-bruising humiliation, and the harrowing horror hookup stories of students navigating through hookup culture and dating life at Cal Poly. Mustangs, this is a podcast about you, for you, and a little bit about us, too. Hey, cutie. I'm Mickey, one of your three fantastic hosts here on Cal Polyamorous. We like to think we're boldly authentic, but some of the things we talk about are still considered controversial, scandalous, or taboo for whatever reason. They're also real. We hook up at Cal Poly. We date at Cal Poly. We take part in the scandalous and taboo. So why pretend we don't? Sam, Alexa, and I love our girl talk. It makes us feel less crazy, less alone, helps us cope. So we're extending a special invitation to sit down at our virtual table and join us. Hello, friends. It's me, Alexa, and I'm very excited to spill some tea with you all. We're not experts on this stuff. We're living it with you. We want to give strength to our vulnerability and yours. We want to give our fellow Mustangs a chance to have their voices heard. And it's no secret that Cal Poly lacks diversity. That being said, we want to honor and respect the diverse voices and perspectives that we do in fact have at Cal Poly. We are three cis straight girls, so many of our own stories will be about heterosexual experiences and relationships, but we do want to acknowledge the heteronormative, predominantly white culture at Cal Poly. Again, we only speak for ourselves or can only share our stories and experiences, but we do want you to know that we recognize, honor, and acknowledge your voices and perspectives. We will always make room for members of the BIPOC and LGBTQ plus communities to share their stories, and we just hope to create a space where all your voices are heard, especially the voices that Cal Poly culture continues to ignore. This is a very open platform where we're going to end up talking about some difficult topics, but we'll ensure to give you trigger warnings prior. This sound indicates a trigger warning. Welcome to Cal Poly You are listening to Cal Poly Amorous. So I know a ton of y'all listening may be in sororities and fraternities, and a whole lot of you are former members that dropped. And some of you know that, you know, Greek life just wasn't for you. But Greek life does exist at Cal Poly, and the party scene at Cal Poly often does include Greek life, and so does the hookup culture, Mm -hmm. whether you're a part of it or not. So this episode, we're going to dive into Greek life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Before we start the episode, we want to make a huge disclaimer. We want to acknowledge that we are not advocating for Greek life, nor are we against it. And while Greek life probably has affected most students in one way or another, it isn't always welcoming to all students. We know Greek life is a total privilege, mm-hmm. and it's a privilege not all Cal Poly students can afford, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. Greek life upholds standards about what a sorority girl should look like or act like, how a fraternity guy should behave, and these standards are often tied up to the repulsive history of Greek life, history that is riddled with racism, violence, sexism, and homophobia. So while we will be able to touch on some of these topics today, there is so much more that we could fit into 40 minutes, but I guess you'll just have to stay tuned and follow us on social media to see if a Greek life part two comes out in the future. Before we start chatting with you about Greek life, we're going to revisit a fan favorite segment from our last episode, Tinder Pickup Lines. This week, we asked you from the Cal Polyam fam to submit the best or worst pickup lines you've received and, oh, how you delivered. 
from my girl Cassie Richardson. She submitted a very lengthy and funny pickup line that she received to our DMs. So without further ado, I would fight off a pack of mountain lions in the handicapped stall of your oh. local McDonald's with my hands zip tied behind my back and a shake weight super glued to my forehead as my only weapon, just in all caps, for you to sit on my face. Okay, wait. First, I want to like applaud you for that theatrical performance. Thank you. There. Yeah, I felt like I had to get into it. Great. Your theater training really came oh out my there. God, thank first, you. okay. Second, I know that that man writes on like wet pad or something. That was really specific. Like, yeah. And honestly, kind of applauding him for taking it. No, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit proud of him. <laughs> he put in a lot of effort to that. And Cassie, it sounds like he really wants you. You must be one sexy bitch. Well, she is, but I don't know if this guy who likes to use <laughs> zip ties and super glue deserves her, but He's the kinky. effort we was don't there. Shame. I, I'm don't a little shame. bit concerned about the local McDonald's. Um, the is one that Madonna. Like, is that where he frequents? Is that just like a tough situation to be in? I'm not really sure. Or is that his kink? McFlurry. Give me yeah. a Big Mac. So the second submission comes from our girl, Aaliyah. Aaliyah, your submission literally made me pee my pants because I was laughing so hard. Uh, this one was definitely my favorite. I've been called husband material before, mostly by my boys, but it's the thought that counts. No, he has a point there. <laughs> I, I would yeah. say he has a point, but, but um, yeah. <laughs> but um, we don't care about what the boys think. We yeah. don't care about what the boys. We don't think. care. No, about the boys. we never care what the boys think when it comes to pickup lines. Okay. Also, also, sweetie, if your boys think your husband material, you're probably not. Yeah, you're probably not. Why would you boys? Why, why? they're compensating for something, yeah. and I don't want to know what it is. Okay, so. Now it's my turn. So this girl's name is Oren. And so she got a message saying, quote, Soren Oren, bing bong, waka waka. To which she responded, ooga booga, luga suga, mooga. Um, I'm sorry, if that's not love at first swipe, well, fuck, I don't know what is, you know. Um, so thank you, Oren, for that beautiful submission. Also, very Oompa Loompa vibes. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I just want to know how she replied or how he replied to her. Oh, oh, I saw the submission uh -huh. and... He didn't. Oh my god! Was it unmatched? The audacity! No. The audacity! Like that? No, no, no. The chutzpah, as we say. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was a, that was a good freaking no, line. I'm sorry. It shows that she has good banter. She has good comedy. Yeah, she has the bent in it, bruv. <laughs> bruv, bruv. She got the so look. She got babe. the banter. She got everything. Those pickup lines were all amazing. Not sure if they will get you a date, but they will for sure get you a laugh. As much as we like to have fun, we also want to get real with you all. And the next subject we want to talk about on this episode, it's what it's like to come out in the Greek life community, but in general, be part of the LGBTQ plus community and Greek life. I'm so beyond honored to introduce our next guest interviewee. Welcome, Ryan. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you. Um, Ryan was in a fraternity here at Cal Poly, and we have invited him here to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly truths about his hookup experiences, but more specifically, his experience as a gay man in our Greek life system. So to start, why don't you just tell us about your experience in Greek life a little bit? Yeah, of course. So I, coming in as a freshman, I pled, or not pledged, I rushed certain fraternities and then didn't get a bid fall quarter. Winter quarter, I rushed. And I um, got a bid towards the end of uh, freshman year. And then mm -hmm. throughout my pledge process, I was actually in the closet 
And so that was interesting. After the summer after freshman year is when I came out. And then so sec- my second year of college, I was out and in a fraternity. Wow. Yeah. And what was that like? Like, um, It was interesting. I like remember over the summer having like a fear of coming back because from as far as I know, like most of the guys in my fraternity didn't know before the summer. Mm-hmm. And then I come out and I hadn't seen them in like a couple months. So I was like, oh, like. What are they going to think? Like, is yeah. it going to be awkward? Like, are they going to, like, shun me almost? But mm. honestly, like, my experience was pretty good. Like, they were all chill. They didn't seem to care super badly. That's kind of such a paradox, I feel like. Yeah, such yeah. a big moment in your life to come out, and then you just happen to be a part of a very typically um, heteronormative yeah, culture. Also one that includes a lot of toxic masculinity. And I don't mean to generalize, but that is, like, the reality of no, so totally many of the true. groups. So, it's, like, how would you navigate that? <laughs> Um, I think I just kind of told myself, like, I was just going to be unapologetically myself. And I think my specific fraternity, um, the guys in there were super cool. They weren't as, I'm not going to name any other fraternities, but they weren't (laughs) as, like, toxic masculinity as some of these other ones out there. Mm -hmm. But I think that helped my situation a lot. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think... Can I ask you what it was like being in the closet while you were in a fraternity? (laughs) Yeah. Um, It was a super, spring quarter was like a super weird time in my life because I was pledging and I was also like navigating, I guess, coming out. So there was a lot going on. It was interesting because at that point, I think I was still like pretty like straight passing. So like Mm. I trying to find the right words for this but like I kind of just like went about it as if I wasn't like trying to figure this out on the side I was just kind of like okay like when I'm doing pledge stuff when I'm like with the fraternity like this is what I'm doing and then I like worry about that later Mm -hmm. if that makes sense you kind of had to compartmentalize yeah exactly and then I think I probably like acted in certain ways I was like trying to like prove a point that I was like Mm. because like even though I knew like I wasn't straight like I was trying to prove a point that I was still like one of the bros mm-hmm. that I was like, that's so like, that's so sad in a, in a way, because it's like you ended up learning that they totally did accept you as yeah, one yeah. of the bros when no, they knew totally. you were gay. But, but like, that was just like, honestly, like my entire life, like yeah. throughout high school, I was always putting on an act or putting on a front. Mm-hmm. Even if I didn't realize it, I totally was putting on that like front to be like one of the bros to be like, not like called gay or like feminine, like yeah. behind my back. And then that summer after my freshman year, I, like, came out and realized that I didn't really need to do that most of the time. Wow. Been any times where they treated you differently because you were gay? Um, my fraternity, no. But I do remember, like, when I was rushing other fraternities. I forget what it was, but, like, it was, like, maybe, like, one of the second to last days before interviews. And I, like, made a joke. And I remember, I think I said something that, like, came off, like, feminine and, like, the dude, the active members who like gave me or like who I made the joke to like looked at me like weirdly, and then I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. That probably came off weird. And then I didn't get a call back the next day. So like, there was definitely that. And then like I remember, um, just like other like passing comments or like microaggressions from like other guys, but nothing like crazy. What, what are some of the microaggressions that you have experienced? Um, okay, so a lot of 
Um, so like in my fraternity, out of I don't know how many people there were, like eighty, there are three that are gay, including myself. Um, so like we naturally became like super close friends just because like we were in the same fraternity, we're brothers, and we have that in common. So we have common interests that align. Um, and a lot of people, I think, thought that there was always like something there, like. I don't know if they thought it was, like, sexual or, like, romantic or something, but they'd always be like, oh, like, you should date so-and-so. Like, you guys would be so cute. And it's like, no, that's literally my brother. That's so gross. <laughs> yeah, they just assumed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They assumed, like, just because we were, like, friends and gay that there was something there. And that's just not the truth. Apart from your fraternity, yeah. do you think being in Greek life kind of made you fit or want to fit this standard of what it is to be a man or a brother or a fraternity brother, whatever that means? I think a big part of why I wanted to be in a fraternity my freshman year so bad as a closeted person was to fulfill that, to try to, like, prove to other people and as well as myself that I'm, like, that, like, masculine, like, man. And I think once I got that, once I was, like, initiated into my frat, I was able to, like, let that go. And then I think, honestly, that probably helped my coming out situation. That's honestly so interesting because I feel like I I at least know for myself, before I met Ryan, I didn't know anyone that was openly and comfortably gay in the Greek life system at Cal Poly. And I feel like a lot of the things we talk about um, at Cal Poly Amherst or what we're planning on talking about is the fact that Cal Poly doesn't make space for certain groups that need this space to be made Mm. and like these conversations to be had. So it's so awesome that you're talking about your experience in such a positive way. Cause I think most people that are listening would assume that like Ryan's here to tell like this horror story of when he had to break it to his frat brothers and like their reactions, but this just seems so positive. So it's honestly so nice to know that there are certain organizations at Cal Poly that are really upholding the standards that they're supposed to. And like the inclusivity aspect. I think like my fall quarter, had I gotten a bit and joined some of the frats that I was initially looking at, Mm. Some of those more like stereotypical like broy frats, it probably would have been a much different story. I can't I can't speak for that because I don't want to. I don't know if anybody has gone through that or yeah. what it is, but like I don't know. I'm very glad I didn't get what I wanted back then because it would have gone very differently. I mean, I like. just shows that everything kind of happens for yeah. a reason. Yeah, totally. You ended up having this really positive experience yeah. instead of one that could have been traumatizing honestly totally um as much as we love hearing about your positive experiences (laughs) do you have any funkier interesting unexpected hookup experiences in greek life in greek life yes yeah i do i have like oh i mean those stories aren't even interesting it's like yeah (laughs) so and so in sigma apple pie came over last night and told me not to tell anybody but oh my god Honestly, my funniest story or, like, my most interesting story probably, like, hookup story, like, that has to do with, like, coming out and Greek life Mm -hmm. was when I was pledging, I went to the first party that they let pledges go to, and there was this girl there, and she, I had met her a couple times before, and, like, we were friendly, whatever, and we were both obviously shwasted and just... (laughs) I got, like, the vibe that she was flirting with me, and, like, I was like, okay, like, she's cute, she's fun, so I went for it, mm-hmm. and um, we were just, like, at the party, like, dancing, making out, whatever, 
ended up going home with her, which wow. I don't think I was supposed to do as a pledge because I think they didn't want us yeah. to, like... Yeah, we won't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, your secret's yeah. safe here. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, the entire yeah. fraternity found out, and that was low-key my goal because I was, like, me trying to, like, prove something yeah. to oh, okay. them. I was like, mm-hmm. yo, like, I get bitches, I get girls, whatever. So, like, we went home that night, and we did hook up, but then nothing ever came out of it, obviously, and now she's literally one of my best friends. Aww. Yeah. That's like a full circle yeah, moment. Yeah, it's literally like a full circle moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I loved the story, and we are so grateful to have thank you on. Yes, thank you so guys. much for coming here. Thank you've been you, a Ryan. wonderful guest. Thank also, you. just to mention, Ryan is the first person in the LGBTQ community that we've interviewed, which I just think is super cool. Wow. And I applaud your bravery, because although you said you had an awesome experience, I just think being in your position at a school like this where we don't have these platforms to talk about it as much. Like you're awesome and we're happy to have you. It was a lot of fun. Great. All right. Thanks Ryan. So although we love talking about hookups and sex here at Cal Polyamorous, we also want to celebrate those who have made it past the hookup or talking stage and into the lands of relationships. Yes. So now we all know that there's a lot of casual sex going on between frats and sororities, but you know, sometimes these relationships become a little less casual. Jillian and Nathan are here to talk about their love story and how Greek life actually brought them together. Hello everyone, my name is Nathan, sometimes I go by Nathaniel, and I am with my lovely girlfriend, Jillian, right here. Um, We just walked to Starbucks this morning, and you know, we're recording our first ever podcast, so this might be a major breakthrough in, you know, our uh, relationship and our influencing uh, career, so uh, watch out for that in the future. Um, but yeah, we're honored to be here and we're going to go through a couple kind of questions or so about our relationship, how we met and whatnot. So passing the mic over to Jillian. All right. So we met when Nathan decided to slide into my DMs one day. I did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and you know, he just had a little, a little like BS message that he sent, just something to get me to like start the conversation. Um, but it did work. Um, he had a lot of friends in the sorority that I am in. And so that made me a little less apprehensive to go on a date with him because I knew that he had to at least be somewhat decent of a person to be friends with girls in my sorority. Um, and so, yeah, I was actually really excited about going on our first date. And that's a little bit about how we met. Yeah, and... You know, we we definitely hit it off after the first date or so. Um, super cute. You know, we were we were driving around. We found ourselves at the Avila uh, Beach, and you know, we were very comfortable with each other already. And decided, you know, swimming in the ocean was something that uh, we did, and something that a lot of people typically don't do on their first date. So we were super comfortable with each other right away. Um, watched the moon and the stars on the Avila Pier, and came back. Um, but it was a great first date. We were both kind of craving more of those experiences together. And we ultimately just went on, uh, you know, super cute dates in the beginning. We even carved a pumpkin together, (laughs) went to Spooner's Cove and whatnot. So we did a lot of like fun things and we just wanted to keep doing them with each other. Um, and I'm really happy that, that we met, uh, in college and are able to share like some of those experiences and, you know, take advantage of San Luis Obispo because it's, you know, it's a great great city, whatnot, and town. Um, Yeah, and then moving on, 
Um, a little bit about Greek life. Both of us are in Greek life. I'm in a fraternity here on campus and Jillian is uh, in a sorority. And I was fortunate enough to uh, be able to run for the uh, alpha male position of her uh, sorority. And, you know, alpha male, it's basically like the uh, male kind of designated person that helps with like recruitment um, and like kind of moving stuff around and, and whatnot. So I was able to run for that and super excited that I was nominated and ultimately won the position because it's been cool to be able to interact with like a sorority uh, in that way and kind of be the messenger yeah. between between my fraternity. Yeah. yeah, no, a fun fact about that, too. I actually didn't vote for Nathan for <laughs> Alpha Male because yeah. um, my best friend's boyfriend was running. And so I was like, nope, got to vote for him. And then I ended up meeting Nathan and yeah. the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, so this was before that we had originally met. And yeah, despite my uh, own girlfriend not even voting for me for the position uh, in her sorority, you know, still managed to uh, get enough votes and whatnot. And here we are today. We're going to talk a little bit about the effect that Greek life has had on a relationship. Would you agree that it's had a, a positive effect? Definitely. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely a positive effect. We've been able to kind of um, go to like virtual events together and kind of meet people uh in like the opposite organization and whatnot and you know ultimately we found like a good uh group of friends that we can hang out with wouldn't you say yeah definitely i think that greek life has had a very good impact on our relationship as well as our time at cal poly and i'm looking forward to when we can be back in person and doing things um with each other's organizations as well as meeting the people that we have met virtually in person more. Yeah, so that's that's just a little bit about us. Um, really happy that we could share, you know, our experiences and whatnot. And you know, ultimately, I'm very happy that we were able to meet in the middle of a uh, global pandemic, and you know, make the most of you know our online experiences at school. And we are both looking forward to transitioning to in person classes and uh, in person events in the future. Yeah, so thank you so much for having us today. Thank you. So my former sorority brought a lot of good into my life. I met wonderful, strong, ambitious women. However, one relationship really sticks out to me. Um, in sororities, they talk a lot about sisterhood. Uh, and I know that seems like a really cheesy concept. I was never really for the like cheesiness of sororities <laughs> myself. Um but with Mary, um, my best friend, we really did become like sisters. We talk every single day. Um, she's who I go to when I break down, when I need to laugh, when my therapist isn't around. <laughs> and while I'm incredibly grateful every single day for my relationship with her, I think it's really hard for us to talk about the incident that brought us so close together. Um, and more than that, it's hard for me to accept sometimes that by being a part of Greek life, I exposed myself to the absolute worst experience of my college life um thankfully it was alongside someone who will be there for me for like the rest of my days whether they're good or bad but this was a particularly hard experience for both of us that um we're still healing from this next section discusses sexual assault and date rape drugs please skip ahead 11 minutes to reach the next section so when Mary and I were freshmen, um, we were drugged at an exchange. An exchange is an organized event between a fraternity and a sorority. It's kind of like a party. Um, and at the exchange, someone slipped something in the drink that we were sharing. 
Um, and we ended up blacking out without any idea that we were doing so. Um, we didn't drink a lot that night, so it was a little bit confusing. But uh, I think we can both say that completely changed our freshman year and, and definitely not for the better. Um, so Mary is here to help me tell our story today. And just so all of you girls out there or, or guys or non-binary folks that um, have been through something similar, just, just know we're here with you. Uh, you want to start or do you want me to? Yeah, I could start. Um, so we got to the exchange pretty early and it was a champagne themed exchange. So champagne was going around. It wasn't really out of the ordinary. And after about 20 minutes, there was one champagne bottle left in like the corner of the room. And me and Sam went up and asked if we could get poured a glass, which was also pretty normal. Uh, all the other guys were pouring the girls drinks. And after about, I don't know what, 30 minutes, we just blacked out. Don't and and the, the scary thing about it was we blacked out at the exact same time. So we have the same mm. memory of the last thing that happened to us that night. Yeah. So I came home to my roommate and the last thing that I kind of remember coming out of my blacked out stage was my roommate holding my hair back as I was throwing up in my toilet in or my trash can in my bathroom. And she just said that I was the most drunk she'd ever seen me been. I stumbled in. Don't know how I even got my key out to open the door, really. And that night, I lost my phone. Um, I don't remember getting home. Mary and I lived in the same building. So I know we got home together, but um, she lived on a different floor. So um, at some point, we separated. And I woke up the next morning, no idea where my phone was, and it anonymously appeared at my RA's um, door, charged and everything um, about a week later. Um, I still don't know what happened that night, and I think that's the hardest thing for me is I really have no idea who had my phone or why um, or why they would have, you know, anonymously returned it to my RA. So that was what was probably the most difficult thing for me is just like not only not knowing what happened, but knowing that I had no control and I, I still live with that sometimes. I still wonder, like, what could have happened that night? Um, how did my phone get in someone else's hand? So, yeah, that was that was really scary for, for both of us. And then the next day, we, I think, kind of came to the realization at the same time. Um, Mayor came down to my room, and we started talking about the night before. And we just talked it over and realized that we had both blacked out at the same time, realized that we had both drank from the same bottle, you can talk, like, what was the moment that you realized that you had been drugged? Well, it was kind of interesting. So I went to class like normal. I woke up and I kind of just felt really weird. Mm. Um, I thought, like, I made a joke on my private Snapchat and I was like, oh, I'm still drunk this morning. But that just, like, wasn't the case. And I went to class and I told my friend that, like, I blacked out after I drank something. And he was, like, really concerned really quick. And that's when I kind of started to take it seriously. And I started talking to you and I was, nothing was adding up. We blacked out at the same time. Like it just, nothing was making sense. And that's when I kind of realized like, oh, hey, like I think there was something else in the drink. So the next day we went to the doctor's office and really gotten validated. Um, we tried to get a yeah. test and all this stuff. And he basically was like, well, ladies, it sounds like you got drugged. Um, so just take this as a warning to be more careful. 
Oh my, that's so unfair. No, I, a lot of male doctors invalidate young women's experiences. Yeah, yeah it was, it was hard. Cause then I think we both started thinking like, what, what did we do wrong? And I remember talking to my mom about it and just being like, I, I took the drink. I took a drink from a stranger. I've always been told not to drink, take drinks from strangers, but that was such a normal thing in Greek life. It's so crazy too, because it's like you're at an exchange with your sorority, who is supposed to be someone you can lean on for everything, yeah. and you just go, and this happens to you, and then it's just like kind of like a world-shattering kind of thing. Um, I have a question for you guys. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing. I know how hard this is. It's just so crazy because, like you said, you're supposed to feel safe with your sisters or with your brothers and with you know the organization that you're paying so much to be a part of you would never imagine something like this happening so my question is when this when you guys did you know come to the realization that you had been drugged um, did you talk to your sororities how did your sorority react because I feel like that's the first thing I would have done if I was in the situation it's sad but that was another point for me that it was just came like it, I was invalidated because we told by the sorority mm-hmm mm. We told a couple of the sisters that we thought we were drugged at this fraternity. And everyone we talked to was just like, oh, I've never heard that happening before. Like, you must have gotten it mixed up. Wherever you went oh after, it must have been that place because it could not have been this fraternity. And the thing that was so hard is our sorority had this really close relationship with that fraternity. So because of that relationship, um, people were like blinded to the fact that this happens no matter what, at every single fraternity. And then this this summer, um, Shades of Cal Poly came out, and this specific fraternity got a lot of sexual assault allegations. Oh, I'm sure. And since we, you know, I've brought it up. I mean, I'm no longer a part of the sorority anymore, but I brought it up to the sorority. And while there was definitely some people that were really sympathetic and apologetic for the way that, that we were treated... There were also some people that I really expected an apology from that I never heard from. Um, some people that completely backed out of the conversation when we started talking about, is it really safe to put our sisters in these situations where mm-hmm. this fraternity um, fully takes advantage, could, could take mm-hmm. advantage of us? Um, and we didn't really ever get an answer about that. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the hard thing for us. I mean, I, there was definitely a couple of people in the sorority that were super supportive. Um, my big being one of them, she was so great during that time, but we really had to lean on each other because all around us, we were just getting completely invalidated. And I know we've talked about this before. It sucks that it happened, but like, I am truly glad that I had someone to go through it with because I feel like I would just be so lost without someone, especially you. Well, You two sisters have definitely been through it together. That we have. It's so crazy to me. It's like, where do you draw the line from the relationships you make in Greek life? If they're closer with people outside of your organization, like let's say the girls that you went to for help weren't your necessarily close friends and they were friends with the guys in that fraternity, but like they still supported them over their own sisters in a sense. It's like, where does your loyalty lie and needs to lie with the victims it needs to lie with the victims and i think in greek life that's not hard to navigate but it's seemingly is hard for a lot of people to navigate because they grow relationships with these people who have the resources to do horrible things like this at their disposal and the culture where the culture exactly that's more than okay 
I know that after it happened to us, I talked to a lot of people and they would just be like, oh yeah, I, I know someone that was drugged. I know someone that was drugged. I was drugged. I was, and it happens so often and it's so normalized. And honestly, I still know girls to this day who stand by like the, those fraternity guys, like they're not all bad, like whatever's happened, like those are different instances. And it's just, it's another invalidating incident. The fraternity also came out after a couple posts on the Shades of Cal Poly Instagram, um, basically just giving like a half-ass response, like Jeez. they're working yeah. on it. Oh they're my trying god! To instill learning, like I can't believe they, they even replied. Well, it was it was to the Shades of Cal Poly post. Yeah. They had no choice. There was like I think I counted. There was like in the matter of like a week, there were seventeen allegations against them at this point. And at that point, it's all a political game. Like you're just doing it to make sure that you look good. You're not doing it because you know that yeah. it's wrong. Like it's not shocking. It's saddening, and it's hypocritical as fuck that we sit through hours and hours of. DNR and inclusivity and anti-sexual assault and harassment lectures and learning and education to be a part of Greek life. And then you have girls that are probably on exec board. You, you mentioned some of the girls that you went to were the higher ups in your sorority who are the ones that administer that information to us. But then when it comes to their friends are just like, hush, hush. Like, no, Sam and Mary, actually, you don't get to speak up about what you've just been through because you're talking about my friends. Yeah, that, that's exactly how it felt like, honestly. Um, and it, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Um, but I'm grateful we got through it. Um, and I'm grateful that we have this platform to talk yeah. about it because mm-hmm. I know that a lot of you out there have probably been through the same thing that me and Mary have and have probably been invalidated. And I hope that this gives you a little bit of validation and lets you know that we believe you. We 100% believe you. And we hope that in your healing process, you are finding peace and you are finding love and you are finding the support that we have found in each other. Well, we really appreciate Yeah, thank you for sharing. Both of you sharing. I mean, it's crazy to go through something like that. And I wish neither of you did. But at least like you both said, you went through it together. Um, We really need to make sure that this culture at Cal Poly and all Greek systems change because it's unacceptable to silence victims on like there's just no excuse and I'm really really disappointed but not shocked unfortunately that girls in your own um community would do that to you but thank you for sharing your story with us Yeah, thank you so much Mary for coming on and helping me tell this story it was so helpful having you by my side as always Mm. I know that the topic of date rape drugs is a really heavy one, but we're here to support you through this trauma because it's terrifying and far too common of an experience for college women. We know that occurrences such as this leave a lasting impact. I know that especially. We want to remind you that everything that you're feeling is valid and there are others out there that are experiencing the same things as you. You're not alone. You're never alone. We hope that you feel safe here within the community we are creating at Cal Poly Amaris. Another element of Greek life that we have seen affect ourselves and our friends is the social media aspect that seems to really Mm -hmm. rule so many of our standards and self-esteem issues, right? I mean, I joined Greek life my freshman year in hopes of finding some really great girls to befriend, secure helpful networking and connections with mentors and other students, and to get involved with the philanthropy that I was really passionate about. And honestly, I was able to do all of these things during my freshman year. But once I became a recruiter my sophomore year and I kind of got to see, you know, the opposite side of 
the system that I had went through the previous year, things started to change for me week by week. I started to notice girls in my sorority not really focusing on actual substantial conversations, but rather pointing out new potential members that were like obviously very pretty or had expensive clothing or who they had partied with previously. And so this is not, and I'm look, I'm not saying that everyone in my pledge class was recruiting based off of looks because that is just simply not true. I know so many of the girls took it seriously, but I think subconsciously a lot of people base their opinions on looks and what the ideal Mm. sorority girl you know what mold that is and as my sophomore year went on I felt more and more disconnected from my sorority especially after recruitment and funny enough my sophomore year was also when I became more comfortable in my own skin and with my beliefs and I honestly think that the two things are correlated because Mm -hmm. as I got more in touch with myself I got more real about the reality of the group of girls I was supposedly sisters with right totally makes sense yeah I mean it just Mm -hmm. was kind of like light bulbs going off here and there for me but it was like if I'm learning more about myself and my beliefs they're supposed to grow and correlate with the girls and the group I'm in but it just didn't feel like that and you know I began to see people comparing themselves to others on Instagram girls taking their appearances so seriously like it got to the point where the same skinny white girls were being posted on my sorority's Instagram every single day and like sometimes me and my friends would take cute pictures and be like oh do you think like the the blah 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 Instagram will post it this week and it's like no same five girls like yeah it's like the same it was like a roto they had a roto so me and mickey were in different sororities and this 100 percent happened in my sorority too Mm -hmm. i have a lot of body issues that's something that i'm sure we'll get into here on polyamorous but it was hard for me to see the same girls represented over and over and they always were so skinny and tan and blonde yeah so i was in my sorority for what two years and First significant amount of time I was pretty involved. I was never posted on the Instagram and it made me feel like I wasn't that standard of beauty, mm-hmm. that I needed to do something to change myself to be that perfect sorority girl. And and that also literally the point you just brought up, there's two huge points in what I just heard you say. The fact that you were sad that you weren't being posted on the Instagram because it made you like, a, you know, accustomed to these ridiculous standards. But the, the bigger thing that just went off in my head when you said that is the fact that what you were hearing on and seeing on an Instagram page was like affecting your self-esteem like that's huge like since when do we care if we're posted on a sorority Instagram page like even that concept is absurd and that's so not me it's just not something I experienced and everyone at home I want to let you know social media is not real life yeah it's not like let that sink in what you see is not real and sometimes it is like people having fun and your friends and family and stuff but majority of this is just performative and it really showed yeah and it was so tiring I felt like even though they claimed to be inclusive and want diversity like that would never truly happen and exactly like Alexa saying people fabricated their lives on snapchat and continuously posted what they thought was their exclusive footage of their very special friend group (laughs) when in fact it only made other people feel really shitty and left out and not part of the community that we were supposed to literally create for each other I'm not part of Greek life anymore and although I did make a lot of friends and lasting connections from it and I do have a lot of great memories I'm really able to acknowledge that the presence that sororities have on social media is a huge influence on the self-esteem issues that girls at Cal Poly and all universities all over our country and I'm sure other countries have too. Yeah, this is age group. 
it's it's yeah. it's really brutal i'm 20 i know our listeners probably vary from like i don't know i'm just guessing like 17 to 23 right now and i hope that that expands because this is really for everyone but like 20 is fucking hard oh my god oh, it's so hard yeah, 20 is entering so adulthood. hard like i've never experienced a year filled with more eye-opening experiences good and bad but you know what i haven't been in greek life during my 20 and i honestly couldn't imagine being in that like warp of social media and pressure and body issues and uh eating disorders and just like it's just a fucking mess and conforming to this standard that that really doesn't matter yeah. in the in the in the range of things because it's it's about who you are you know and who you are is not represented on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to find your identity outside of the group that you're affiliated with. I think a lot of the reasons that students join Greek life is to find that sense of community, mm-hmm. a support group. Because truthfully, coming to college is a really overwhelming process. When I joined my former sorority, I was told I would find future bridesmaids and, and lifelong <laughs> sisterhoods. And while some Literally of that might same. be true... Like, you all heard me talk about Mary, and and I truly believe that she'll be at my wedding one day. What it really was, was an opportunity to meet a lot of really cool people that my college experience wouldn't be the same without. Now, I want to reiterate what we said at the beginning of the show. There's definitely good to come out of Greek life, and a whole lot of bad, too. But this episode wouldn't be complete if we failed to acknowledge that Greek life might not be an opportunity for all people. I was on the DEI committee, which is diversity, equity, and conclusion um, in my former chapter. So I did a lot of research on the exclusive, racist, sexist, homophobic Mm -hmm. roots of Greek life. And many of those trends absolutely continue today. I wish we could talk about everything about Greek life. There's so much. There's so much, but we only have so much time. So I know that not every student at Cal Poly will feel comfortable joining a Greek organization, and many, like myself and Mickey, might choose to leave for one reason or another. I know it was beyond a privilege for me to find support and love in Greek life before I chose to move on from that part of my life. But like I said, a lot of people are just looking for a community and and a sense of belonging to feel like they are loved in this crazy culture at Cal Poly. So whatever your community may be here at Poly, whether that's Greek life, whether that's something completely different, I hope that you're surrounded by people that uplift you. We hope that you are also uplifting others in the process. Because what Sam is saying is such an important piece of self-love. I mean, finding people who are there for you no matter what and being the support that others need in their time of crises. Part of loving ourselves is loving each other and loving our community and continuing to uplift each member of our community. So if you find that in Greek life, that is a privilege. And I hope that you acknowledge and understand that privilege. And you're so lucky. And just because Sam and I left for different reasons doesn't mean that we don't, you know, exactly what Sam said. Like we acknowledge how lucky we were to have that experience. That just isn't the place that we're meant to feel the most supported i guess it wasn't your place it It wasn't wasn't our place it wasn't our place and also it's important that you do your part to be inclusive and create an inclusive community within greek life if you are a part of the group all of us need to attempt to leave cal poly a better place than when we got here exactly we hope to make you feel as though you have a community here with us as we discuss our shared experiences and listen to yours we also hope you find people that make you feel important that make you feel loved and that leave you with no doubt that inside and out you are the sexiest fucking bitch on the planet True. on our journey to loving ourselves it's important to have people by our sides that love us especially when we might not love ourselves 
So thanks for joining us here at Cal Polyamorous. I hope you had as much fun as we did. If you want to hear more about sex, hookup culture, or relationships, be sure to turn on your post notifications on Instagram to stay up to date on when our next fire episode drops. Our TikTok, Instagram, and Spotify will be keeping all of you up to date. So please send in comments, questions, and all your sexy inquiries to our DMs, and we will make sure that your voice is heard. And again, we made this podcast to serve as the voices for those who don't feel like they have one. The stuff that we talk about is very important, and so are our listeners. So if you have a story to share, we hope you'll share it with us. We can't wait to let you in on more of our girl talk next time. So with that, I'm Mickey. I'm Alexa. And I'm Sam. Stay sexy, my friends. Bye. Bye. Bye.